Welcome to the Sisters in Service podcast. My name is Kat Corchado. I'm a fellow Air Force veteran who, after 20 years of active duty, struggled with transition after leaving service. The Sisters in Service podcast is a platform to include all women veterans, organizations, military spouses, and Blue Star Gold Star families in talking about the trials and triumphs we face while in service and after service. I want to take a moment to thank all of you who have taken the time to listen and follow me on my journey. My podcast is every Tuesday, and I hope you will tune in. Until then, please be safe, take care of each other, and until next time. Welcome to day 18 of the Content Creators of Color. My name is Kat Corchado, and I am the host of the Sisters in Service podcast. My guest today is Michaela S. Ben. She's the author of Little Mr. Fix It, Assist with the To-Do List. She's the founder of the Children's Book Marketing Company, and she's the creator and host of the Children's Book Marketing Podcast. Michaela, welcome. Hello, Kat. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm so happy you said yes. I'm really interested. So Michaela's not a veteran, but her grandfather, who was in the Navy, was a veteran. So Michaela, how long do you know how long your grandfather was in the military? And the second question is, give us kind of an idea of some sort of memory that you have with him. Sure. Well, my grandfather served during World War II. He was one of the first admitted in the company for Eleanor Roosevelt making the plea to open the military to African-Americans. So he was in the military from about 1942 to 1945. And during that time, he was at Pearl Harbor. He was a part of a very small contingent of African-American Navy men who were allowed to fight in combat. And he was brought into the military as a chef. So growing up in a house full of folks meant that we always had a large portion of food. But it's because that's how he learned (laughs) how to prepare. You know those big pots, the ones that are like, I don't know, (laughs) they're like this the four foot deep pots. <laughs> yes. Those are the ones. Yep. Yeah, we're eating chili for the next three months. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. What's a favorite memory that you have of your grandfather? Oh, I have so many. I have so many. We were very close. He passed when he was 92, almost 93 years old. And from the time I was born, I can't remember a time that he wasn't there. We lived in the same household, in the two-family house, where my grandparents lived downstairs. And then yes. mom, me, and everybody else lived upstairs. Wow. So I saw my grandfather almost every day growing up. That's a blessing. There, there are a ton of memories. The one that I think that stands out the most is the first time we had a chance to travel alone together. We went to Washington, D.C. from Cleveland, Ohio, which is where I'm from, for an honor flight. And for anyone who might not be familiar with honor flight, it's when the VA group in a metro area assembles a group of veterans and takes them for a day to Washington, D.C. via plane. And when they arrive in D.C., 
We get to visit the monuments and the team of volunteers are accompanying all veterans who are, in this case, between the ages of 70-ish and 98. Yes. Yeah, they were from every branch of the military. So we visited every monument for the military and we had an amazing day of conversation on and off of the bus making sure that everyone was always present and accounted for. And while we were there, Kat, one of the most amazing things that happened was that he was asked to participate in the changing of the guard at Arlington National Cemetery. Oh, that's huge. Yeah, that was huge. And it's it's possible that there may not have been a lot of people in the company with us that could have achieve this because one you had to either <laughs> have a wheelchair yeah, right <laughs> or you had to be able to walk and they needed one who was able to walk to push one in the wheelchair so that was part of the reason why he was selected because he was adequately mobile in his mid 80s wow what an honor and what yeah. a memory Oh, yeah. yeah. I got a chance to go to D.C. And, and go to the Arlington Cemetery. And we also got to visit the Women Veterans Museum that's there, you know. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it's almost, and this is just me, but when you're at Arlington Cemetery, it's like this, it's very quiet. There's this hush that's yeah. very, you know. And there were people speaking loud, and I just, I was trying to eyeball them, like, shut up. You know, you don't speak loudly here, <laughs> No, people are resting. It's sacred. Yes. There's so many things special about the final resting place. I mean, that it's a national monument in and mm -hmm. of itself is one reason to pay homage. But yeah. there were, that was probably like my fourth or fifth time going to DC, but that was the first time that he had ever been. And this image that I have of the two of us, which someone we were so grateful for photographed it overlooking the reflecting pool yes. at the monument, almost about where you would expect Dr. King to have been standing when he delivered the I Have a Dream speech. Yes, We were looking from that vantage point out and to see the joy on his face, just to open up the possibilities of at his age, going there for the first time and seeing all of these experiences that he had only maybe thought about here or there, but didn't realize that a lot of those were erected, particularly for veterans. And to see him so moved by it. Yeah. What an amazing memory. Oh, yeah. We, we cried a together. lot. Yeah. We cried a lot that week, that day. <laughs> <laughs> so let's there talk were. about all the things that you're doing. So out of the, the book... Um, the marketing company and the podcast, what came first? What came first was the book. The manuscript for the book is something that I wrote one day. In about 45 minutes, I had the series for the book, along with the marketing plan for the book, and the ideas of when to release each of the books in the series. Okay, whoa, whoa, back up. <laughs> you said 45 minutes yeah it hit and it just hit like a flood when the concept wow came. yeah and I had it during one of those moments where like so many things were happening all at once it was the precipice of the pressure 
of what was happening in the world around us at the time, which was spring of 2020. So we're living in a pandemic and we have the political and the social unrest of all that was happening at that time. And there were strong indications that I needed to do something, but I didn't exactly know what until the day I wrote the manuscript. And it was like one of those feverish moments where I got out of the shower at 1030 at night and I had to write it down. Wow. And by the time I was done writing, I had something that said, now what do I do? (laughs) (laughs) So where did the idea, did the idea, have you always had the idea and you just didn't know what you were going to do with it? Or did the idea and everything come to you right at that moment? The idea and everything came to me right at that moment. And it was derived from bits and pieces of our real life. So the story features a father and son who spend the day together doing things around the house that have been assigned by the mother of the house. What does that look like? That looks like a weekend here. And with the age that my son was when I wrote this three years old, he had already participated in a lot of these activities and helping around the house. Most of these things that his dad have has done with him, he's been the assistant. Whether that means finding an equivalent tool that he can use (laughs) so that he doesn't get hurt. Of course. (laughs) Or providing the assistance of handing his father the things that he's asking for. Many of the illustrations were derived from videos and photographs that I had of the two of them. Combine that with my inspiration from my grandfather being also very much the type of man who fixes everything. And it was a natural fit with my reality. The other part of it that fit with my reality, which made it not entirely something that was just contrived, was that as a homeschool mom, I always look for ways to include my son in activities and in things that we're doing as opposed to push him aside. And I was hearing a lot from parents that they were finally home for the first time with their kids because of the pandemic (laughs) and they didn't know what to do with them. (laughs) So you said, go to school, go to school. Okay. Mommy loves you. Bye. (laughs) Yeah, And the parents would have their time to do what they did throughout the day. But then this intermixing of having to work from home and having to school from home meant that there was a bit of chaos. So this was also part of a way for me to remind parents to embrace the opportunities and the time that we have with our kids instead of finding something else for them to do or shooing them away because it's just a lot easier if they're not at your knees when you're trying to do things. Because it's so fleeting. It is. You know, because when I think back to my son, I think about those toddler times. Those are my favorite. You know, when he'd be in this frenzy of activity and all of a sudden he would stop and climb on the couch and give me a big hug. He's like, I love you, mommy. And just as I go to hug him, he's like, bye. And he was gone, you know? (laughs) And so I, you know, but I, I do understand like when you're home and everything is home and you can't, you can't get any downtime and that, that must be, that can be challenging. I'm going to put it It that way. It can be. 
It can be. And that there are ways that these little minds come alive by witnessing us and emulating us is just a blessing for us to be able to impart that. And so if everything when you're a homeschool parent is constant teaching, constant instruction, even when it's fun, there's also an opportunity to give kids a reason to and a way to feel included. Yes. That was the purpose behind me writing the story. Now, the purpose behind the stationary line that accompanies the story is because my son was also learning how to write at the time. (laughs) And with the to-do list concept, the illustrator who I worked with, who is an amazing portrait artist, brought to life this character by giving him on the cover a notepad. And it wasn't something I planned to include, but... The notepad that he features in his hands along with the to-do list kind of goes throughout the story and combine that with the fact that my son was writing on the walls and the lamps (laughs) and the furniture. Everything everything except paper. (laughs) Everything except paper. I had to create something that made him feel like it belonged to him. Yes. So that stage in toddlerhood when you're learning how to scribble and learning how to write the letters and all of the numbers are starting to take shape in your mind. You have to have some place for them to do this. Otherwise, they're going to take liberty to do yes. it wherever they can. <laughs> well, expressing that creativity. <laughs> is that, exactly. Is that the positive way to say it? If, so, if a parent's going to buy this book for their child, what, what do they get? What is, why would a parent buy your book? Well, one reason a parent would buy this book is because it's a relatable story across cultures. Fathers and sons spend time together doing things on Saturday mornings in almost every culture that we know exists. Unless you work with your dad day to day and you're learning constantly from your dad. So there's one thing. Another reason parents would buy this book is because it gives kids a way to see themselves as a part of the mix. When the son and father glance at each other on the cover of this book, there's such a doting, endearing look between the two of them. And so the emotion of being present and wanting to spend that time together with patience and with endurance is what this cover explains. I like that it's something that a lot of people have overlooked until they see it. And then they realize that there aren't a lot of books like this between fathers and sons. Sure, there are lots with daughters and mothers and daughters and fathers sparsely. But fathers and sons get often overlooked. You get to celebrate that love between the two of them. I never thought of it that way. You know, I never thought that or to think that maybe those kinds of books weren't real readily available so does the note the notebook or the notepad come with the book yes it's optional if a child is at the stage where they really do need a place as an outlet that is encouraged and it can be bundled together on the website however i've had people who are just in general mr fixits on their own right who don't have children who purchased the book because they see someone and themselves in the story. They see themselves as the little boy 
looking at their father who may still be with us, who may have passed on. Or if it's not their father, they see an uncle that taught them how to do lots of things that men are typically responsible for teaching their sons how to do. And then there's people who look at this book like, you know, it's a great story to tell for social and emotional learning. And for me, because like the cover of the book, Kat, has all these tools Mm. on the back wall. It's also a great learning experience for kids to understand handyman tools, which I think is essential whether you're male or female. Because at some point, you may have to fix something and you'll need to know what to reach for. So there's that. And I think it's helpful to have a subliminal aspect of process and order for kids. Because the way the book is written, Mm -hmm. they sequentially go from one thing to the next in a list. And the way kids learn in a sequence is often prescribed. But in the story... It's a little bit more nicely hidden in there where you don't feel like they're getting a set of instructions to do something. Right. I love that. When you're learning something, but you don't realize you're learning it. Yeah. I like That's that. really sneaky. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about your children's book marketing company. Um, do you yes. market other children's, other authors' books or how does that work? Great question. And you asked before, which came first, the book came first, and then the company came afterward. The company was developed to help children's book authors just to make marketing easier for them. Was what I quickly learned is that everything related to the self-publishing process is very project-oriented. You go through the list of things that you have to do, you check the box, you move on, you release the book. Only it's never entirely clear to most creatives who are not business oriented prior to writing the book that you have to then go out and sell it. (laughs) Amen to that. Oh, my gosh. I had no I thought, oh, I learned the podcast. I got the podcast. Okay, great. And they're like, well, how are you going to market it? How you I'm like, "Uh, wait, that was that in the instructions? (laughs) Right. No one reveals that until it's too late. And there are lots of publishing companies that help individuals who want to independently publish their book. But that's not what I do. I help them get to the point where if they're going to do it on their own, what they're doing is understanding what the marketing messaging strategies, digital marketing, accessibility and distribution channels need to be in order for them to be profitable with this asset that they have created. And so what I do is coaching and also provide services because we're in the podcast space that help extend the visibility of children's book authors by pairing them up with the right podcast so they can extend their reach to audiences that they might not have otherwise been able to reach without the voice of the individual who's the podcast host. Right. And One of the other things that I do that I really enjoy doing with the podcast is it's almost like having a mini masterclass because there's a good amount of knowledge and insight that pour out from me having 16 years of corporate marketing experience and almost every facet of marketing that you can imagine. And for those individuals who hear the voice, then they eventually meet me in in some way or another. 
they're more intrigued by what I'm doing to help them figure out how to be more effective with their readers because it does go beyond the book to an extent, Kat. Right. Because you can create a book, but you can create an ecosystem around the book. And that's what I help children's book authors do. I love that. So where can people find you, your business, you know, your social handles, all of that? Well, on the business, I can be reached at childrensbookmarketing.co. That is my online presence. If anyone's curious, like, well, what does she do? What, what does she look like? As opposed to just, what does she sound like? Because there's so many people with us being podcasters, they never know what we look like. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> right. <laughs> and then from there, uh, online, on social media, for the Children's Book Marketing Podcast, the Children's Book Marketing Company. I am my name on Instagram, Michaela S, like Simone, Ben. And with regard to the podcast, the podcast is available on Apple, on Google, yeah. on Spotify, and on Amazon. So is Amazon where they can buy the book if they want to? Good question. And the answer is no. Oh, I made an assumption, y'all. And I no. seemed wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I am probably, and this is a very unpopular opinion, Kat, one of a handful of children's book authors who intentionally does not list on Amazon. I advocate for Amazon in a lot of ways because they are the largest of all the platforms that exist. Yes. However, from a profitability standpoint, because going that route is not truly advantageous for the profit side of book marketing, I avoid it. I've heard and that before. It's it's not that you can't make money on Amazon. You can if volume is the intention. However, volume is one thing, but revenue is a whole other. And the structure to my children's book business that I also teach other children's book authors how to implement is to control your distribution, control the messaging and the marketing that drives sales back to you so that you keep most of your royalties. Yes. And so that you control your brand, your imagery and your product configurations that for instance, if I were to have a store on Amazon, I could probably sell the book, but I couldn't sell, sell the stationery right. combined as a bundle oh. as well as other items that exist, yeah. not in the same way and not profitably. Right. So the book is available at littlemrfixit.com, the website. And because I acknowledge that my audience of children's book authors is very separate from the parents, educators, organizations, and institutions that I reach through my children's book, everything for my children's book marketing goes through TikTok. You sound like you know exactly what you're doing. So y'all, you got a book out there. You need to get in touch with this woman because I'm like, maybe I should hire her to do. I mean, I don't have a book, but maybe she. <laughs> <laughs> However I can help, I will. Just let me know, Kat. I appreciate you. And I want to help you thrive in this space and in whatever it is you're putting your hands to. Oh, thank you so much. 
Let's move on to our second part of our interview. So I'm going to ask you some very thoughtful questions. There's no wrong answer. It's totally all you. So question one, number one, what are the top two things on your bucket list? Live in an RV. Live in an RV and road school the four-year-old who, (laughs) by the time he can remember this, I want to have an RV so we can live in it for at least three years. Yeah. Three months out of the year. But a laid out RV, right? Oh, yeah. It's yeah, got to be luxury. <laughs> we gotta I've be seen glamping. some of those. I'm like, what? <laughs> Bathtubs, washer and dryer? I told my husband, oh, I'm like, yeah. mm, we may need to rethink this, you know? Yes. I love yes, that. that is, that's one item on the bucket list. And part of the reason, Kat, is because I really want him to see a lot of the concepts that exist in textbooks. And for my generation of Gen Xers, homeschooling might not have been popular. So whenever we get introduced to new ideas, if it was geography, we're reading about the Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. whereas I really want to go there and spend time there. You so wanted to can experience the Grand it. Canyon. Yeah, I, I love that analogy only because I was born into the military. So I traveled to all different types of countries with my dad. And then when I was in, I traveled to other types of countries. And I remember a conversation with a woman and she said, oh, you poor thing, you always have to pick up and move. And I was like, what are you talking about, lady? Are you kidding me? I've been to Germany, you know, I've been to England, I've been to France. I've been to places that a lot of kids either see on TV or they read about in books. I've been there and I've lived it. So I like I like the fact that you want to do that for your son because it's good to read about it. It's even better to experience it. Yes, yes. So that's definitely on the bucket list. And we will have to consider extending road school into whatever they refer to as international travel for homeschoolers. <laughs> I don't know if it has a name. <laughs> We're willing to go to France if anyone's listening. <laughs> Totally willing to go Italy, to Italy. Okay. Yes. And um, the other thing on my bucket list, mm-hmm. I I don't think that this is uh, odd or outside of the realm of reality. So it can totally happen. I really have always wanted to get my eat, pray, love on. Yes. By spending time in Asia alone. And I don't know in, in if that opportunity is ever going to occur, the alone part. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that. <laughs> but I would like to spend a few months living somewhere off the grid and getting in touch with my spirituality and the interior parts of how my mind and body work well together. And if that means I get a chance to ride on an elephant because I'm in that part of the world where that is the custom and live someplace where I don't speak the language, but eventually figure out how to communicate, then that is another item that's on my bucket list. I would totally ride an elephant. I love, love elephants. They're they're like my spirit animal. I think they're just... They're just amazing. So just saying. So if you ever go there, just, you know, call me and we can we can set up a time to I will write elephants. <laughs> we shall. <laughs> All right. If you could witness any event from the past, what event would it be? Let's go back before the nineteen hundreds. Let's go back before the nineteen hundreds. I would really like to see how Hatshepsut 
who was a pharaoh in Egypt. I would really like to know at what point she made the decision to become the pharaoh as opposed to the queen. Well, that is very specific. Yes, and I'll That's tell you how that. I can pull that one out. I was like, oh, she, okay, that, I had no idea she was going to say that. And I was like, wow, where, where did she pull that from? So considering we're in the month of February and homeschool learning is whatever you choose for the lessons to be, one of the things that my son and I are doing is reviewing heroes across Black history. And one of those in our book that has blown me away so far is Hatshepsut, primarily because as a woman, it is not common to be labeled the pharaoh, which is the king right. in Egypt. And this is well before uh, BC. I don't remember what year, but mm -hmm. it was well before Jesus Christ walked the earth. And when she, in all of her badness, decided she was going to become the pharaoh after her husband passed as opposed to the queen there are a lot of rules being broken mm. there are a lot of conventions being defied yes and because her son at the time that her husband passed was an infant she took the mantle of leadership however even after he was old enough to take the responsibility that he was born into she still didn't allow it. She remained the Pharaoh. And I'm really curious to know how that went down. Yeah. What was her mindset? You know, because women back then were, you know, there was the man, there were the cattle, there was the food, and maybe there was the woman after that, at that time, you know, so yeah. we weren't held in high esteem, so to speak. That would be interesting to, to figure that or just to, just to read about that. So I, yeah. I may need to look that up. So here's another question. You're stranded on an island. You can take anyone except your child and your husband. Who would you take? Do they have to be alive? No. My grandmother. Oh. I would take my grandmother. She's been gone now. Oh, 19 years. Mm-hmm. And so many things in my life have transpired since she left. My grandfather preceded her or outlived her beyond 17 years. Yes. So I got a chance to spend a lot more time with him, with him yeah. than I did with her. And as much as I love him and all of my grandparents, this is the one that I was closest to. And there's so many things I would like to make sure she's aware of that have yeah. occurred during her absence. She knows. She knows. <laughs> yes. All right. What is your superpower? My superpower is being able to add structure to chaos. That's a good That's one to mine. have. Yeah. Whether someone is trying to figure out what they need to do next or they're unsure of what they want to do relative to some other things they may be considering. I'm often the person that friends and family members come to when they want some guidance around the order and the timeliness of how to lay out their plans. Yeah. Nice. I think my superpower is I'm really good in any kind of emergency situation. I'm like on it. 
Yeah. And then after it's done is when I fall apart. <laughs> like, it's all over. Why are you crying? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it's the backdraft. <laughs> all right. Um, if you could pick anyone to play you in the biography of your life and they can't say no, who would you choose? Kelly Rowland. You look like her. That's exactly why. <laughs> you look like her. Or she looks like you. One or the other. I, as soon as I you said know. it, I was like, oh, yes. Yeah, I, I get that one often. We we all have a celebrity lookalike of some sort. And I happen to have a few, just two. But one of the two playing me would be ideal. And because I adore her as an artist and mm -hmm. as a boy mom, and also as a fellow author for children's books, I would I would be honored. I would be overjoyed if she would say yes to playing me. That's cool. She'd I have to cut her hair one. back short <laughs> 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 because I had that haircut too. Yeah. And, yeah, that's really cool. I like that answer. I've, I haven't heard that one before. So, but then it makes sense because you look like her. Y'all can't see her. I can see her. So just get my word for it. <laughs> So let's move to the third part of the interview. It's called awesome. This or That. This or you, That. You could just pick one. In some cases, I've had people say neither or all of the above, but it's more fun when you pick one. All so right. reality show or documentary? Documentary. Books or movies? Books, if I had more time to read them. <laughs> you know, I, was, I, had, I made myself this goal this year is that I have all the, I'm always buying books. So I'm going to read a book a quarter. That's my that goal. That would be lovely. That would so. be divine. If the book is more than 40 pages and doesn't have pictures, <laughs> I don't have that much for it because I'm always interrupted. <laughs> and those are all children's books, of course. But honestly, I would have to pick movies because mm -hmm. that's what I have the bandwidth to enjoy and I always have to share whatever I'm experiencing because mm -hmm. I am a toddler mom. So realistically, movies, but me once upon a time, I would totally say books. Books. Roller coasters or water slides? Water slides. I've only had a couple people say roll. I need somebody to go on a roller coaster with me. I'm just saying. Well, cat, at the rate that people are losing limbs <laughs> from roller coasters these days, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> yeah, you, know, you sound I like can't. my husband he goes, When was the last time it was inspected? I'm like, what? He asked those kind know. of questions. <laughs> All right. A store where every item is free or a restaurant where every dish is calorie free. You know, calorie free doesn't sound bad. Mm. Calorie free. You can get full. Nutritious. Maybe. Delicious. I eat, eat dessert. I'd be like, can I just have some more brownies and ice cream, please? <laughs> calorie free. I, let's go with the restaurant for calorie free. <laughs> Sounding better and better every second. Okay. So bad haircut or bad dye job? Bad haircut. Yes. Every day. Yeah. Beach or mountains? Beach. Um, introvert or extrovert? Extrovert. Are you a visual learner or a verbal learner? I'm a visual learner. Me too. Yeah. Would you rather have book smarts or street smarts? Street smarts. Would you rather be poor and happy or rich and miserable? Poor, fat, and happy. 
<laughs> Thus the free restaurant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bad breath or body odor? Wow. I have to choose one? <laughs> yes. Let's go with bad breath. I can keep my mouth shut for half the day. That's and what my smell like roses. Said too. <laughs> Do you prefer guacamole or salsa? Guacamole. Would you rather be Instagram famous or infomercial famous? Oh, infomercial famous all day. People pay money for infomercials. Yeah, they do. Oh, yeah. They do. And last but not least, zombies or vampires? I'll go with the vampires. Yeah. They're sexy. They have brains. They, they can look think. better. Yeah. <laughs> Aside from the teeth, I could, I could live with it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Michaela, thank you so much for being a part and having a little fun and playing with oh, me. Was this was, you know, a good time. And for helping me out with the content creators of color. You're very and welcome. Any last words for our audience? If, it, if someone is out there who wants to write a book, what would you say to them? If someone is out there who wants to write a children's book, the first thing I would want you to know is that you have to write from your own experience so that it's authentic to you and so that you never get tired of sharing that story. Realize that there are lots of things that you can say about it and lots of different ways that you can impact someone's life. Even if someone has already written it, there's no voice like your own. Like podcasting, mm -hmm. right? Your voice is your voice. I call it secret sauce. Everyone has their own special secret sauce that they bring yeah. to the podcast. So, well, thank you so much for that. I, I really appreciate you and your time. And of course, you guys know my sister's in service. Please stay safe. Take care of each other. And until next time, my name is Kat Corchado, and I am a content creator of color. Do you find it difficult to come up with content ideas for your podcast? Or perhaps you've gotten stuck doing an interview with a guest where you just have nothing to ask anymore. Try Poddex today. Poddex is the best all-in-one podcast idea generation tool. You get everything from episode ideas to interesting conversation starters for interviews, engaging discussions for your live streams, and even social media content ideas. With this tool, you don't have to spend weeks trying to come up with content for an episode or unique questions for your guests. Just shuffle the cards and pick one at random, hit the record button, and get started. Now you can make better content, have more fun while you're at it, and get your viral moment, all with Poddex. Head over to poddex.com and use code C4C.